evident this morning already from praise team practice until now. So as we begin to move into our worship service this morning, I want to remind you that God's presence doesn't exclude anyone. It's for all. He wants you to feel him, to know him, and to experience him. Because in his presence, miracles happen, breakthroughs happen, and lives are changed. So won't you worship with us? Let's usher in his presence this morning.
Cowboys. May we enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. I believe it's a, a condition of, of just being human. We, it's very easy for us to emphasize past defeats or, or to focus on times where uh, things didn't turn out maybe like we hoped they would, a difficulty, a, a defeat, or, or, or a lack of victory. It's not so easy for us to highlight the miracle, the victory. Sometimes we tend to gloss over those as and highlight the negative things that have happened in our life. I believe that's why God instructed Joshua when the children of Israel crossed over the Jordan River said I want you to take some stones and I want you to build a monument so that you will remember what God did in the crossing over of Jordan. The Bible says that God is the same yesterday, today and forever. And that's why it's so important that we highlight past victories and we remember the things that God brought us through in the past. And that way, when we're in a current circumstance or we see storm clouds brewing on the horizon, we can say with confidence, I know my breakthrough is coming because I know what God did in the past. By faith, I see a miracle because I saw a miracle in the past. I can trust God for the now because I have some memorials in my past. Does anybody, can you look back in your life and say, this is where God brought me through. This is what I know my God is able to do. Why don't we worship him one more time? Because he is the God of the breakthrough and he is the God of the miracle. Hallelujah. We give you praise. We give you praise. There's an incredible presence of God here today. I challenge you today, don't walk out of here without an answer from God. Don't walk out of here without a touch from God. The presence of God is here and it's here for you today. Amen. Amen. So glad for each and every one of you that are here today. Welcome to Grace Church. We're glad you're here. Those joining us on live stream and Facebook Live, we're so glad you joined us today. Grace, can we just make our guests welcome today? We're glad you're here. Everyone is welcome today. We're going to give you an opportunity this morning to give in your Sunday morning tithe and offering. Our ushers are making their way down to right now preparing to serve you. Don't, don't our ushering team look great today? Isn't this a great looking crew of, of ushers? Brother Wayne, they're making you look young. Man, you just, you, you just got younger by about 40 years. No, I'm kidding. Great to see you guys today. They're doing an awesome job. Let's pray together. Jesus, we are so thankful for the presence of God that we feel today. What an awesome presence. I know before we leave, you're going to do incredible things. Bless what's given to the furtherance of the kingdom in Jesus' name. Everybody say, in Jesus' name. And you may be seated. I want to remind you of just a few things before we move into our next worship set. Do want you to remember that this coming Tuesday at 9 o'clock, we do have Tuesday morning prayer right here in the sanctuary, so please be mindful of that. And then as, as we began last Wednesday night, the Wednesday nights in January, all of our students will meet right here in the sanctuary. We'll meet as a church body for Bible study here on Wednesday nights in the month of January. And now, let me just remind, this would be a good time to just remind everybody we are still continuing in our 21 days of sacrifice. Um, it may encourage you to know that you're a third of the way done. It may discourage you to know that you're a third of the way done. I don't know. 
but uh, we, the, the 21 days of sacrifice continues, and I want you to be mindful of that. Having said that, those of us that are fasting sweets, the, you just need to make a mental note of this next announcement. It has come time again to order chocolate-covered strawberries, and these are for Valentine's Day delivery. So order a dozen for yourself, order a dozen for your Valentine's, but it all goes to She's for Christ. This is really our first big fundraiser of the year for She's for Christ. And you can pre-order these chocolate-covered strawberries. In fact, you need to. It's required so that we'll know how many to prepare. And uh, you can do that on the sign-up sheet at Grand Central today. And then in the coming days, you'll see a link in your email or by text for an Eventbrite sign-up where you can order on Eventbrite. And that just helps us keep the orders going and, and pick up times and all of that. So be watching for that on Eventbrite if you want to pre-order today. Also, you can before you leave the campus today. And then on February the 8th, there'll be a ladies' tea, our annual ladies' tea, uh, on Saturday, February the 8th, over in the Alexander Center. And um, if you would like to host a table, you need to contact the church office. Amen. Are you happy to be in the presence of the Lord today? I'm looking forward to what God has for us. I'm ready to worship Him. Let's worship with the praise team today as they lead us.
worship the Lord all over the house today. Let's praise Him. Let's praise Him. Everybody, would you lift up your heart, lift up your hands, your face to Jesus right now. He's worthy of our praise. Yes, He is. He's worthy. He's worthy of our praise. Hallelujah. Thank the Lord. Let's clap our hands to Jesus. Let's clap our hands to Jesus today. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. In the name of Jesus, thank the Lord, thank the Lord. I do agree today, I do acknowledge that there is an absolute amazing presence of the Lord in this house right now. Thank the Lord. I'm thankful for those that have responded that have opened their heart to the Lord. But I do feel today that there's a lot more that would like to have an opportunity maybe a little bit later in this service today to open their heart to respond to the moving of the Spirit of God. So I'm going to ask you if you would, if you'd remain standing, those of you around the front, if you could return to your seat, we're going to move on with the service. Uh, It would be inviting today perhaps to to let this go, but I, I don't feel like there's been enough participation uh, from everybody. So uh, perhaps the ministry of the word will move the rest of us here today. I want to see everybody touched, everybody ministered to by the Holy Ghost here today. There's people that need healing. There's people here today that need encouragement. When I say healing, I don't mean just physical healing, but spiritual, mental healing, emotional healing. That runs as rampant, as far as I'm concerned, as our in our country as does physical healing. And uh, I believe God can take care of all of it. The Bible said, by His stripes we're healed. That's not just our physical body. That's all of us, every part of us. And um, I, I appreciate the amazing response here today. I applaud you folks for praying with people. Don't stop that. But uh, today I just feel like we need to move on within here the ministry of the word today so if you'll remain standing for another hour uh, we'll let you have you seated in a moment <laughs> but uh, I do want to say I would have you seated but I'm going to have you stand right back up so uh, I won't take but just a moment here I do want to welcome uh, Brayton and Kayla Duncan, their three wonderful kids Lewis, Millie and Goldie they moved to Houston what six or eight months ago something like that and uh, just couldn't stand being away from Grace. Their family, none of that had nothing to do with it. It was all about Grace Church, right? Uh, Not really. But we're glad they're back. We welcome them today with open hearts and open arms. We're glad to see you guys. Amen. Thank the Lord. I know the Tommy and Sheila Goins are happy about it. I don't care about the kids anymore. It's just the grandbabies, right? Amen. That's right. So uh, that's how that goes. And uh, I'm not being very nice here today for some reason. Uh, never have been. Why start now, right? So there we go. But, uh, but we're glad to have the Duncans back. Welcome back to Grace Church. Thank the Lord. And uh, great to see Toby and Donna here today. Great friends of Grace Church. And uh, I'm wondering if their family's going to quit growing every time they come from up north. They have two or three more kids with them or something like that. So. Uh, That's a little bit of an exaggeration, but God bless you guys, and congratulations on your amazing family, and we're glad y'all are here today as well. Thank the Lord. I do want to mention this chocolate-covered strawberry thing. These things are amazing. 
I don't know how many of you have ordered them, but uh, they're worth every penny. Plus, as Brother Dave said, that all goes to Sheets for Christ. All of it does. None of that stays here. It all goes to Sheets for Christ. I want to encourage you folks that work at plants or have employees or friends at work or whatever, uh, tell them about it. We can print you a flyer. We can, we'll put something online that uh, you can print at work if you need to. Take it with you. And I uh, really promote this. This is a great fundraiser, but besides that, it's amazing to have it. Uh, they're wonderful to eat, and uh, that's probably more wonderful than cheese for Christ to some of us here today, so uh, just say it. But anyway, but uh, please do that, and uh, it'll be a tremendous, tremendous blessing to our missionaries, as you all know. We promote that very heavily here. So uh, tell your friends and co-workers about it, and let's go over the top this year with our with this particular uh, event that we're going to be doing here. Thank the Lord. It's our pleasure today to have Brother and Sister Holloway with us. And uh, I don't know how to introduce these younger ministers. I'm still old school, Brother and Sister Holloway. I don't even know if they like that or not. Uh, some of them want to be called by their first name and, you know, or just called brother by their first name. I, I don't know anymore. So I'm just going to stick with old school. That's a lot of safety in that. And uh, if you hurt their feelings, they'll forgive you. But I don't want to make him feel old either. But we're glad they're here. It's an honor to have them. Wonderful, wonderful preachers impacted scores of people in their ministry. They love the Lord. They love the kingdom. Get behind them this morning as it comes to minister in Jesus' name. Thank the Lord. Yeah, get you a mic. It's the Lord. I'm actually 104 wrapped in a 33-year-old body, so it's okay. I'm a little old school myself. <laughs> I'm old school, but I love technology, so I wish I would have been born 50 years ago, but with all the technology we have today, it would be awesome. Amen. Not many amens. That's all right. <laughs> I'm thankful for what I feel here in the Holy Ghost, and Brother Murphy, you couldn't have been more in the Holy Ghost with what you said because I feel like that's what I'm going to mandate here to do today is I do feel healing here and in prayer. That's what I felt specifically not physical. I know that's what we all want. That's what we all want to see. That's what we all want to post about. But what God has shown me in prayer over the last few months is that he's getting ready in the end times to pour out the outward miracles. We're going to see prophets holding back weather. We're going to see men and women of God calling down things that we've not seen since the Old Testament. I believe we're going to see those things. This is what he told me in prayer. He said, Aaron, he said, before I can do that, I'm going to have to do a miracle and touch the unseen before I can get to that. And this is what's going to have to take place. Paul said in Thessalonians 5.23, he said, I wish that you would be complete in mind, body, and spirit. Now, mind, he uses the word soul right there. You're made up of three beings. The spirit is at the core of who we are, and that's the one thing you and I are trying to protect the most. And we're walled cities, and the devil knows he has to get through body and mind before he can touch your spirit. And he has gotten past a lot of our bodies. And it's not just our physical bodies. It's outward things that are going on around us, family situations, work issues, not enough money, too much money. It's outward things, and it's affected our minds. And once he gets past the wall, the wall of your body, he starts chipping away at the wall of your mind because he's after your spirit. And what's happening is we all want to see the outward stuff fixed. And stuff happens, but we've not repaired that second wall, the wall to our mind. We need our minds to be healed. There needs to be a moving of the Holy Ghost that touches minds, heals us. And that doesn't mean circumstances change. 
That's what we think's got to have to happen. For me to have a healing, things have to change. This world's not going to get any better. We're looking forward to the better world that is to come. And when we can get our minds fixed on that world, this world ceases to matter quite as much. So I'm going after your mind today. Is that okay? I want to help us today, and I want there to be a healing, and I want there to be a deep move of the Holy Ghost as there's already been. And this is how church works. Church works best when we minister together. I know that the way we do this in 2019, and we've done it for a long time, as a preacher gets up here, and you sit in the pews, and you listen. It's not church works best when we minister together. I need your gifts in operation. If we have a deep move of God today, it's not going to be because I'm a good preacher. It's not how this thing works. It's because we were in a good church and we were all hungry for the presence of God. That's the way church works. So I am leaning into you as much as you might be leaning into me. So if you're a prayer warrior, I want you praying today. If you love to worship God and you're not ashamed to do so, I want you to stand up and worship God. If you feel conviction and you want to run to an altar, altars don't close, so I'm not going to open them. Whatever gifting you flow in, if you're a little shy, bashful, timid, I want you to stretch yourself. That's okay. God made you that way, but stretch it a little bit today. We're going to minister together as a body of believers. And whatever takes place before this service is over is going to be because of us, not because of me. Amen? We are all ministers today. I'm going to go really quickly to Joshua chapter 20, reading from verse 1. If you don't have it, that's okay. We're going to have it on the screens. I give honor to this great church. This is such a beautiful church. And the building looks pretty good too. So thank you all for keeping, keeping the building up. I say that jokingly because I think the worst thing ever happened to the church was a building. Because I think you forget you're the church sometimes. <laughs> Let's be as passionate about cleaning up our lives and each other's lives as we are about the carpet. Amen. Amen. Joshua 20, verse 1. I love your pastor. I'm thankful for him. Thankful for Matt Willer. You're my boy. I'm so glad I get to see you today. I give honor to these great people. The Lord also spake unto Joshua, saying, Speak to the children of Israel, saying, Appoint out for you cities of refuge. Everyone say cities of refuge. Whereof I spake unto you by the hand of Moses, that the slayer that killeth any person unawares and unwittingly may flee thither, and they shall be your refuge from the avenger of blood. Everyone say the avenger of blood. And when he that doth flee unto one of these cities shall stand at the entering of the gate of the city and shall declare his cause in the ears of the elders of that city, they shall take him into the city unto them and give him a place that he may dwell among them. And if the avenger of blood pursue after him, then they shall not deliver the slayer up into his hand because he smote his neighbor unwittingly and hated him not before time. I'm going to talk about that, expound on it, explain it a little bit more, but I want to use this title today, The City of Refuge. There's a place of refuge that we're going to have to learn the coordinates to in 2019, and it is not a physical place. It is a spiritual place that we're going to have to learn how to tap into. All of us are going to have to find this place, fall in love with this place, learn about this place, and live in this place. And I want to talk about that place today. It is a city of refuge. All of you that came to the front, you found that place today. I want all of us to get there in the next 30 minutes. I want all of us to get to that place. So with your hands raised, 
Let's just pray together and say, God, I want to enter into something I have never entered into before. I want to tap into your presence in a supernatural way. I want my mind, I want my soul, I want my spirit to be at peace today. I want to have a holy assurance that, God, you are God of all. You are above all, through all, and in all things. You can take care of anything. But, God, if you choose not to fix my situation, I can still enter a place of refuge, and I can be with you in your presence. Lord, I am seeking after your presence today. Lord, I ask it today, Lord, that you would anoint me, your servant. Anoint my lips to speak, Lord. Let it be like an iron today. Let it go forth and let it press out every wrinkle in the dress of a bride. Jesus, I'm here today, Lord, by the inspiration of your spirit speaking your word. In Jesus' name, everyone say amen. Thank you, Jesus. You may be seated. Most, if not all of us today, have a place that we can retreat to where we feel safe. Depending on what personality you are, some of us like retreats more than others. I'm the type of person, my favorite place on the planet is an airport. That's why I'm an evangelist. I love airports. I love being surrounded by thousands of people constantly. I love going to church. I love the presence of God, but I love just being around people. I love it. It's one of my favorite things. I think people are fascinating. All of us, though, have these safe places that we have either built for ourselves or has been built for us. As a child, it may have been underneath the bed as you hid from the monster in your closet. You may have had, my daughter has three of her favorite blankies that if we, my wife and I, we live in constant paranoia. We're as paranoid as a tick on a bald dog if we lose one of these blankets. Because if we lose that blanket, we know my daughter's not going to sleep because she needs that particular blanket. It's her safety item. It's her comfort item. She can cover her face up. She, she is comforted by this item. It's her safe place, and she can carry it wherever she goes. When you develop into a middle schooler, you might be bullied, and you might want to run to the safe place of an adult or a teacher. You might feel safest around the presence of multiple people because you know that that relentless bully will now be outnumbered by sheer volume of people that are with you. So a safe place might be running to that place. Some of us, it could be books. Some of us could be hobbies, whatever it may be. We all have safe places. Men have man caves. Ladies have, I forget what they're called now, she, she dens or something. What are they called? She sheds, thank you. We all have our safe place where we can retreat from the worries of this world. It is hardwired within the psyche of every human to long for this place of safety. This is why we swaddle our infants because we're trying to mimic what they lived in for nine months, a womb. And when a child is restless, you can wrap it in swaddling clothes and bind them tight because it mimics where they came from because they are hardwired to long for comfort and safety. This is why we do these things. It's, it's, it's who we are. It's why they say when you're lost in the woods, you build a fire and a shelter because if you have those two things mentally, you can endure whatever is coming your way. And God gives us this earthly illustration. He hardwires it within all of us. That longing that we have that is often so misguided and placed in wrong places, God put that desire in you to long for his presence. 
That's why you feel that way. God put it there. And to illustrate in a more, uh, a, a more beautiful illustration of what he is trying to achieve for each of us when we get to his presence, he tells Moses and then Moses tells Joshua, I want you to literally build cities of refuge because this is going to be an earthly representation of what it will be like for you in the spirit. I want you to practice running to these cities of refuge. They are a retreat. They are a safe place that you can run to and you'll be safe from this avenger of blood that is chasing after you. If you can understand this through the physical, then it should minister to you in the spiritual of your need of a safe haven. So they did this literally with these six cities. They had two positioned in the north, two positioned in the middle part of Israel, and two in the lower portions of Israel. Six total. And the reason why they had six, Brother Murphy, you know this, is because they positioned it to where anybody could get to one of these cities in less than a day. They didn't want just one city that was insulated in the middle. They wanted it to be available for when people were running from someone chasing after them trying to take their life they could make it to a city of refuge he tells them set up these six cities and they are available to also not just the Jews but also the immigrants and the sojourners because God was showing that his safe haven was multi-ethnic as well as it was in multi-numbers he says I want anybody who is willing to come they can make it to this safe city this isn't just for the Jews even though the Jews built it this is for every ethnicity the strangers that are with you the Egyptians that came with you out of Egypt that are now walking along as you are, they have as much access to the cities of refuge as you do because God was passionate about this being to whosoever will. Two of those cities placed in the north, two in the middle, two in the lower portions because God wanted access. His heartbeat was to place them so that anybody could make it at any time a safe place. These six cities would harbor fugitives on the run from someone who was trying to avenge them for murder or some crime. When he or she arrived to the city, it was written in their law that when they got to the city, they had to declare to the priest in charge of the city, this is what I have done. This is the sin that I have seemingly committed. This is what I have done. Grant me access into this safe place. It took repentance to get into the safety of this city of refuge. And this priest could not turn anybody away so long as they came and declared. The priest was set up culturally as a judge. The Bible uses the terms, whatever you shall loose on earth shall be loose in heaven. That was law terms. He's telling them, when you come in here, I even have the power to loose you or bind you. That power sits with the judge. And that priest of each city had the power to judge the culprit that ran into this place. It's important to know that throughout the year, the priests had several jobs, more than just burning sacrifice and incense in the tabernacle. These priests would go throughout the land and they would clear out roads because they wanted the roads to be free of stumbling blocks so that people, when they were fleeing from the avenger of blood, could make it to one of these cities. So throughout the year, if there was a storm, they would clear all debris. That was the job of the high priest. They would also go and work on the signs to make sure that the signage was clear and it was concise and it pointed the direction to the cities. If there was a ravine that it was, it was hard to pass, they would go and they would build a bridge so that people fleeing from danger could get to these cities. 
cities of refuge. All of this God established in a literal sense so that you and I could read it and understand what he's talking about in a spiritual sense. You know what God was establishing when he came and robed himself in flesh and he called himself a high priest? He said, I am going to remove every stumbling block that will keep you from getting to my presence. Every high thing that would develop in your mind, if you will give me access, I will tear them down so that you can get to a safe place place. If you will allow me, I will build signs. I will give you heralds. I will send you messengers. I will give you signs and do whatever I have to do to make the road clear to get to me. And I will bridge the gap to get you from where you are to where you could be if you would just allow me. This was the the, the peace of the priests. This is why they had no problem in Jewish culture giving one-tenth of their crop to a man because it was advantageous to them. They were paying him to do the work to keep them safe whenever they needed a refuge. This is why they had no problem doing that because it was a mutual benefit where the church worked together. The priests were vulnerable and said, I can't, I was inheriting no land. I was given the presence of God as an inheritance. I get no land, so I have no way of providing food. So the people said, don't worry about that. You take care of our spiritual needs, and we'll take care of your physical needs. This is literally how it worked in Israel at that time. But he would remove every stumbling block. Which is interesting when we read Romans 13. Let us now therefore judge one another anymore, but judge this rather, that no man put a stumbling block or an occasion to fall in his brother's way. When we hinder people from getting to refuge, God will clear us out. Sometimes we're our own stumbling block. And the things that we think is not fair is actually God chastening ourselves so that we wouldn't be a stumbling block to us. We are keeping ourselves, sometimes this is what I tell people a lot, the devil can take out an insurance policy on some of us. And he can just sit back on a beach drinking pina coladas and he can look at us and say, they'll destroy themselves. I'm just going to let their mind go as far as they want to take it and I'll let them just completely destroy it. I'll let them rob their own peace. I'll let them wonder what everybody's thinking of them. I'll let them analyze every statement and say, huh, I wonder what they meant by that. I'll just let them self-implode. They're doing a good job. I don't have to do a thing. And he pulls all his demonic forces back and says, no, they're doing a good job. I just let them kill themselves. we got more work to do. Let's go take care of somebody else who's a little more difficult. Sometimes we're the stumbling block, and Jesus comes in and starts clearing us out. And sometimes he uses tribulation. Read it. Peter said, through manifold temptations worketh you in patience. He perfects us sometimes with our outward circumstances. That's a whole other message. But sometimes the problem is not really the problem. The problem is oftentimes us and God is allowing the problem to get the problem out of us. Why do you think David had to sit under a cruel Saul half of his ministry before he was actually king? He was anointed king before he wore a crown. But I believe God saw a little bit of Saul in the life of David. So the only way to get the Saul out of you is you're going to have to sit under a Saul. Saul got the Saul out of David so that David could be a man after God's own heart. But it looked like problems at the time. And he said, God, why have you forsaken me? Why won't you answer me? Why am I being persecuted? Why am I always on the run? And God didn't answer him because God was saying, I'm getting the stumbling block out of your life. You're the stumbling block. This had less to do with Saul than it does you, David. The priests were the ones who were in charge of all of this. 
Once the perpetrator got to the city of refuge, they would stay in the city until they were proven not guilty by the mouth of two or three witnesses. It would be established that they were not guilty. Or if they could not generate two or three witnesses, this is literal Hebrew culture. If the high priest died, then they were set free because now there was no one to judge them any longer so that they could run free by the blood of a high priest. Today I'm here to inform you that every single one of us are fugitives and we're on the run. We live our life running from situation to situation because the book of Romans tells us that all of us are born into sin, shaping in iniquity. Romans 3 says there's none righteous, no, not one. The Bible says that we have all fallen short of the glory of God. All of us are fugitives on the run. God designed us with this desire to have a place of refuge because our original home was in the presence of God when we were in the garden. This is the place you and I were designed for. This world and its worries, we were never designed for this. Hell was not designed for you. People are choosing to go there. That's why it enlarges itself every day because people are not getting a revelation of the refuge. The presence of God you just felt here a moment ago, that is practice for the presence of God. We're preparing ourselves for. This is but near, merely a down payment of what you will begin to feel perpetually once that rapture takes place and our bridegroom picks up his bride and passes us over into that new heavenly Jerusalem. This is all but just a down payment of what is to come. But we must get into that mindset of God I need to be in your presence every opportunity I can. I want to be near you. I want to hear you. I want to feel you. I want to touch you. Lord, I want to praise you. Whatever I can do to get into your presence, God, that is what my passion is because your presence is sweeter than everything that I'm going through at work, at home, in marriage, in relationship. God, I'm looking for refuge. I'm here to let you know the, the cat's out of the bag. Here's the end of the sermon. There is nothing that can satisfy you like the presence of God. And I hate saying that sometimes because people look at preachers and say, yeah, you're paid to say that. Of course, you're a preacher. You just know to say that because that's what preachers say. It's a cliche statement. Not when you have really experienced his presence and not when you have been away from his presence. When you're away from his presence, you begin to realize how cruel the devil really is. And then when you can retreat to his presence, you become intoxicated with something better than turmoil. So I don't speak because I am a preacher. I speak from experience. We were designed to be in his presence in the garden. That's where we were first brought to. That was our life. That was where we belong. We are not carnal beings having a spiritual experience every once in a while. We are spiritual beings designed to be in his presence forevermore that are living in a carnal world having carnal experiences. And when we get to his presence, we feel good about it. That's because we were born to be. That's our longing, that's our design was to be in his presence. We're but just a little lower than the angels because they know how to stay in his presence continually, whereas we don't. That's what makes us a little lower than the angels is because they can stand in his presence, cover their face and cry, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, which was and is and is to come. And we come into his presence and we wear out because of flesh. And I'm not saying that to ridicule or anything. I'm saying that because that's the life we're living. It's hard to stay in his presence. We have to learn how to practice his presence because it's preparing for the reality of heaven. 
Ever since man was evicted from the garden, the devil has been on a manhunt. He's an assassin, and we are running from this avenger of blood. This is why the assassin was revealed in Genesis 4, when God looks at Cain after murdering his brother Abel, and he says, don't you know that sin croucheth at the door, and its desire is to have you? He is longing to chase you down. He's never going to stop running. The problems are never going to go away. They're always going to be running after you because you walked out of the presence. This whole world is corrupt now. You sold your birthright. You were in charge of the world. Now you sold your birthright to the firstborn son, and he's in charge of the world. That's why he is the prince and power of the air. That was our position. And we sold our birthright to an animal. And now he is in charge of this world. And God says, but be of good cheer. I have overcome this world that he's in charge of. And I'm going to bring you to a new world. That's the good news. He is never going to stop. That's why Peter references back to Genesis 4. And he says, the devil is like a lion. He runneth about seeking whom he may devour. He's never going to stop. He seeks us. Today, this assassin still runs us down, and we still seek refuge. However, we look in all the wrong places. Some of us look in relationships trying to find refuge. Some of us look for a job with greater financial stability, and we think that that's our refuge. And we mask it in the cloak of spirituality. Well, if I made more money, I could give more to the church. That is true, but that's not your purpose. Your purpose is to be in the kingdom, and what God blesses you with, you then use for that kingdom. But we seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things are then added unto us. But we often are trying to condone and look in all these places for refuge. We look at toys such as cars, boats. We look at hobbies. We look at all these things trying to find safety. We look to a president. We look to a political party trying to find safety. Oh, if we vote this party in, then America will be safe. Or if we vote this party in, then our financial stability in America will be safe. Or, yes, even religion. We're looking for safety in all of the wrong places. Safety is found in one place. That's his presence. All of these things are going to let us down. In fact, I want to illustrate this for you. Brother, if you can come help me. If I can just get a three of y'all. Brother Murphy, if you don't mind, you in the red tie, if you can come help me. This is what it looks like. There were these cities of refuge. And they longed to get to refuge. They wanted to get to this safe place right here. This is that city. But this, this is all of us. He's going to represent every single one of us today. This is who we are, and we, we often we look and we say, I know I need safety, but we walk blind. We're spiritually blind. That's what we all are. Not because we're carnal, it's just because that's, we're born blind. And we're trying to get our eyesight back, and the way we do it is through his word. Every word that we put commit to memory, our eyes open a little bit more to who he is and how we ought to live. That's why I'm infatuated with the word of God, because it opens my eyes. It wakes me up spiritually. So then we begin to see things, but we, before we start really knowing the word, because let's face it, we don't get filled with the Holy Ghost and immediately we're theologians, are we? That would be awesome. But we're born blind, and we're doing this, and we're saying, okay, I know I need safety. And we go over here, and we say, okay, I'm going to find safety in that guy or that girl. That, that feels right. It feels like that's an image of God. They're made in the image. This must be right, so we find safety there. Or provision. God is my provider. This job is providing. This feels right. And then we cling to a job, but then the jobs go on strike. The oil industry tanks. Whatever happens, that's not true safety. But that's okay. We're just, we're blind and our eyes are open a little bit more. We say, okay, safety wasn't really in that job, wasn't in that person. That's okay. It's not because of that person, not because of that job. That was never safety to begin with. 
We go to religion, it introduces us to God, but then somewhere religion hurts us, and we say, okay, never going back to religion again, never going back to church. That was just an image. That was not the fullness. That was the introduction to the city of refuge. This church is not your salvation. This church is the introduction to salvation. This pew is not going to save anybody. That media is not going to save anybody. This preacher is not going to save you. I'm here to introduce you, to open your eyes to who God really is. But all the while, while we're over here, we're looking, we're vulnerable. That's why those with their eyes open, we must learn how to cling to one another and protect as much as we can and guide people to a city of refuge because we're born blind, we're vulnerable, and we're doing the best we can looking in the dark. And this adversary comes after us, and he's hot on a heel. He's prowling, and he looks for opportunities to destroy us. And the moment he sees, okay, yeah, they're latching onto something that is an image of God. That's fine. That will be their idol. That will be the thing that they latch on to and find fulfillment in. I am fine with that so long as they don't find him. And us whole while, he is here slowly taking from us our anointing, robbing us of our power. And all the while, he knows if we can get in the presence of God, then everything changes. The Bible calls it in Psalm 91 a secret place. You know why this is encouraging to all of us? Because a secret place, only a few people know the coordinates to it. This individual lost the coordinates when he was cast down with him and a third of the angels. So when we can have, we can get here blind, our eyes just barely seeing, someone can lead us to safety. And here's what happens. When we finally get to safety, you can stand right here, brother. This is what happens. We finally come through the city and we come to the city gates of the high priest. Only Jesus could be the city the high priest, and the sacrifice. Everybody gets all wrapped up. How could be the Father, Son, and Spirit? I think it's harder to be a building, the altar, and the place that's killed at the altar, the, the item that's killed at the altar. He was all three according to Ephesians. But then he says, what did you do? And we have to, we have to admit, I'm born blind. I've done everything I could. I tried to find you in that person. I tried to find you in that church. I tried to find you in that job. None of that worked for me, and I'm letting you know this guy's after me. I am a sinner. I just want to seek refuge. He will always open the gates. It was Jewish law. The gates stayed open 24-7, and the, the priest would stand there, and he would look at the gate, making sure the avenger blood wouldn't come in. You can read this. You can go home and read it. Joshua 20. So then he says, all right, because you have admitted to what you have done and you don't think you deserve to be here, my grace will allow you in. And then they go into the city and they seek refuge. And Jesus says, okay, stay behind me because this is a secret place that he no longer has access to because this door is my blood and he cannot cross the blood anymore. So this devil, as soon as he sees it, he's prowling on us. And the second we enter into the presence of God, the devil immediately becomes the one in the dark. And he then looks and he says, where did they go? I cannot see them anymore because we have entered into a secret place. I am intoxicated with the presence of God. Why? Because I have bounced out of the gate and I've gone back through the gate. I've gone out of the gate and then back into the gate. And I have felt the difference between here and here. And I have made up in my mind that there is nothing like the presence of God In fact, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to start bringing this to a close. I feel the Holy Ghost moving in here right now. Two years ago, 
my wife and I endured the hardest season of our life and are still enduring. I don't even want to use past tense, endured, because we're still in the middle of this season. We lost our three-year-old son in a house fire. And I felt, Pastor Murphy, somewhere between a gate of his presence and somewhere over here beyond the blood. And there was one particular night, Matt, I was in my office and I was sitting here and this individual, it was the first time I'd ever been ministered to by the devil. I could hear the devil clearly in my mind. This is what he told me. He said, Aaron, he said, suicide is an option. And you know there's enough word in you. This is what he's telling me. There's enough word in you. You know this. And the devil used scripture on me. He said, if you just take your life, you won't get to see your son for eternity, but you'll get to see him in a fleeting moment at least. And in my brokenness and longing for my son, it sounded like a good option. And I have to just admit to you that I was vulnerable. And in that moment, I said, that's a good option. But then all of a sudden, something came over me with scriptures of eternity. And I had to immediately stand up after thinking about it for about 20 seconds. I stood up in my office and I said, but eternity's better. And I felt the presence of God wrap his arms around me. And he pulled me into a secret place. And the moment I came into that city of refuge, called the presence of God Almighty. When I entered there, depression lifted for a moment. Suicidal thoughts lifted for a moment. And I got a revelation when I was in the presence of God that God will save me. God will protect me. The devil cannot find me here. So I be became intoxicated with the presence of God. I am here today standing, not because I am strong. I am standing here today because God brought me to his presence. And if he would do it for me, and he's no respecter of persons according to the word, that means that whatever you're dealing with over here, I'm not good enough. Go into his presence. That voice will be a little bit more silent. Problems don't go away. I don't, want to be, I don't want to make an unclear theology here. Problems have not left my life. This is what I've learned to do. I keep my mind on a leash now because my mind wants to go over there on the blood. My body may be here through holiness, but my mind is constantly trying to go over there and listen to him because in these cities of refuge, this is what would take place. The manslayer knew I cannot touch him physically. So what I can do is I can touch him verbally. So a manslayer would run to the gates, and he would scream to the top of his lungs at the person on the other side. And he would say, you know you killed my brother. Just come on over here. I just want to talk with you. This is what they would do. They would bargain with him. He'd say, I know you can hear me on the other side. I know why you're over. You don't deserve to be in that city. You don't deserve to be over there. Just come on. Come on to the other side of that gate. We're just, I want to talk. I'm not going to hurt you. I just want to talk. This is what they would literally do. Thank you, gentlemen. Can you sit down here? I want to leave you with this scripture. 2 Samuel 3. It's towards the other side. I'm sorry for jumping all over my scriptures, but I just feel it in the Holy Ghost. 2 Samuel 3. We see this literally take place in scripture. 2 Samuel 3, 27 says, Now when Abner returned to 
Hebron. Hebron was the name of a city of refuge. Joab took him aside into an inner chamber as if to speak with him privately. You see, Abner accidentally killed Joab's brother. So Abner ran to a city of refuge. He said, I didn't do it on purpose. I didn't kill him on purpose. So he ran to the city of refuge until he could be set free by the mouth of two or three witnesses or the death of the high priest. So he's sitting there in safety. He has already made it to the presence of the priest. He's safe. But then Abner runs, or Joab rather runs, and he says, come on, come on out here. I just want to talk with you. And Abner walks out of safety to go and to deliberate with an assassin. There was only one thing on that assassin's mind. That was to kill and avenge him. He has what is mine. Do you know why God took, or do you know why the devil hates us so much? We have a walk with God. Do you know what was taken from the serpent in the garden? His walk. He crawls about on his belly all of his life, and the Bible prophesied and said, you're going to eat dust the rest of your life. What are we made from? Dust. His walk was taken, and he feeds on our beginnings. And those are the two things he exploits the most. He tries to take our walk, and he uses our past to do it. And this is exactly what Joab is doing with Abner. He says, come on out here. I just want to talk with you. No harm, no foul. Let's just talk about this matter. Let's talk it over with a cup of coffee. Let's just let's argue the matter back and forth. So he does. He comes out. He listens to the voice of an avenger, an assassin. And when he walks out, the Bible says that he buried a sword into Joab or into Abner's stomach and kills him. That's all he wanted. He wanted to annihilate what was in the image of God. What's interesting when you read this is the eulogy that King David speaks at the funeral over his chief and commander. 2 Samuel 3.32, just a few verses down. They buried Abner in the city of refuge. And the king wept aloud at Abner's tomb. All the people wept also. The king sang this lament for Abner. Should Abner have died as the lawless die? Your hands were not bound. Your feet were not fettered. You fell as one who falls before the wicked. And all the people wept. King David looked at him. He said, this should have never happened. This should have never taken place. I am the king. I am the one who told the priest to keep cities of refuge. This is an echo forward to when we get to heaven and we're trying to enter in and the Lord looks at us and he's going to say, depart from me that work of iniquity. You're not going to inherit my presence forever. And he's not going to say it judgingly and mean. He's going to say it with tears in his eyes. And he's going to look at us and say, I never designed this. This whole place was made for you. This city of refuge was made for you. My presence was designed. I told Moses, build me a temple so that I can dwell with man. This whole thing was about you. But now you're going to die as the lawless die. There is nothing like his presence. So right now, what we were feeling at the beginning of this service is what I am inviting you to tap into right now. In fact, music down.
I want a voice to rise up in God's people, a true hungry voice for His presence. Can we do that with hands raised? Come on, that's it. There is a safe place here in this room where your worries will not find you. There's a safe place in this room where depression cannot find you. Come on, let's tap into that together as one body. These altars were never closed. If you want to run to an altar right now, here they are. But together as one body of believers, we're going to tap into the sweet presence of God Almighty. With your voice raised, intercessors, I want you to begin to intercede right now. Prayer warriors, I want you to begin to pray. Ministers, if you feel led to move out in the service and begin to pray with people. All across this room, let's raise our voices. The greatest way we can tap into his presence is sacrificing ourselves and saying, God, I am a wretch undone. I don't deserve this, but you made a way for me. And then we enter into a season of worship. Lord, in your name right now, your word said there is now therefore no condemnation to those that are in Christ Jesus. Lord, there are people that are walking into your presence right now. Lord, there are people that have broken their way into the presence of God. Lord, I pray that you give them deliverance from their minds. I pray that you begin to heal their souls. I pray, Lord, that there become a blood that flows over every emotion, every person that's been in turmoil. Lord, by your servant right now, I speak it in this room. I speak deliverance to every emotional weight. Lord, every single person that has been dealing with things in their mind, I pray that you deliver them right now. Give them peace. Lord, in the name of Jesus, I speak peace into this sanctuary right now. Come on, that's good. This whole room has turned into a sanctuary. This entire room is the presence of God now. You are in a safe place. So while you're in the presence of God, you may as well get everything that God has for you. presence of God. 